TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We're right back to WEI. The further it went down the road with Bill Belichick, the more Atlanta, I think, got cold feet on Bill Belichick and understanding all the things that they would have to do to satisfy him. And I think that any team right now, and I think that's part of the reason that you're looking at kind of a dearth of opportunities Mm -hmm. is you have a guy who's 71 who's not going to be there for the long term. Mm -hmm. He has a very select few teams that he would consider. And when he comes in with a recent record that isn't impressive, he's going to come in and want things to be done his way with no one to answer to. So I think it's a – I had thought during the year that it would be difficult for him Mm -hmm. to find a market, and that's proving right. Now, broadcasting from the pulpit of sports radio in Boston, it's Sunday Mass with Christian Arcan on WEEI. Good morning, welcome in. Boston Sports Original, WEEI. I am the Reverend Arcan. This is Sunday Mass. Nice to have you with us here. On this, uh, well, kind of dreary morning here in the Commonwealth, as I uh, deliver the sermon from the altar, the same altar Bill got left at this week. Uh, I know we've talked a lot about the uh, Bill Belichick saga, the Atlanta Falcons going with Raheem Morris. Bill supposedly uh, left holding his junk here with uh, without a job and without seemingly a job offer even. And as the uh, as the time goes by and hindsight sort of clears up and becomes 2020, it's easy to do this when you were right to begin with. But there's a lot of people, and listen, I, I every day basically yell at Jones and Mego about something. So whenever I have a disagreement with them, they know about it. I get to yell at them. I don't always get to yell at Gresh or Fourier or Hillman or Wiggy or, Car- or Courtney or Keith or anybody else because I don't see them as much. Uh, and not that I want to yell at them all the time, but I do feel like there is some crow to be eaten here on the part of many of the people I just mentioned. Not all of them, but but many of them when it comes to this Belichick thing. And it's not because I was right and they were wrong. You know, it's not because I was right about there not being a big market for Bill that you weren't really going to get anything in the trade market for Bill. Like, I, I just, it seemed like that was, and Mego and I went back and forth on that a few times. When I said I didn't think he was going to get more than like a sixth round pick if if he got anything in a in a trade offer, I was called goofy. I was called stupid. You got to be a total moron if you don't think that there are going to be teams that'll drop everything and hire Bill Belichick the second he's gone from here. That's why the crafts aren't going to do it. Was the original argument, and then when they actually did it, oh, you watch. He's going to get snapped up so fast. Mike Vrabel's going to get snapped up so fast. These guys aren't going to be without a job for very long. They're the two guys who can't get hired. They're the two guys who cannot get a job anywhere. And listen, some of these teams may look back on what they've done and think, you know what, we probably should have hired Bill Belichick or we probably should have hired Mike Vrabel or we probably should have gone a different direction from this guy that we hired. That's possible. The Patriots might do that. Ah, Patriots aren't going to do that, but they might. 
They may regret hiring Gerard Mayo. We'll see. It's all, you know, in God's hands now. But there was this very, very real, very palpable sense of if you don't think that Bill Belichick is going to be snapped up immediately, if you don't think that teams are going to be fighting and clawing with each other, bidding wars going on, everybody wants Bill Bev. If you don't think that, you're an idiot. And, well, just, you know, who's the idiot now? Who's the idiot now? I'll say who looks like the idiot now, and that's Bill. Bill looks like, and I only say this because I believe he still wants the coach. It seems like he still wants the coach. But in other ways, it seems like maybe he's all set with coaching ever again if he doesn't do it on his terms. You know what I mean? Like, if he's not in control of everything, if he's not running the whole show, he doesn't really want to do it, and he doesn't really care about the record, and he can just go right off into the sunset, and that's that. It's unfortunate because a guy who had such a great career riding off into the sunset after a four-win embarrassing season where you got beat by the Chargers 6 nothing at home is not a great way for it to end. You know, not everybody gets to be Peyton Manning and win a Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset after that. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen that way most of the time. And in Belichick's case, it was basically the opposite of that. But what everybody got wrong, I think, when it comes to not, and not just what they got wrong about, you know, the market that he'd have and how many teams are going to want him and all that stuff. But what everybody got wrong, including me, about his decision-making process is what his priorities would be. I thought, and I think a lot of other people thought, that the main thing that Bill cares about is the wins record, right? Passing Shula. It's the only thing left for him to do. He really has nothing else to prove to anybody. I mean, I guess winning without Brady is something. That would be something nice to do, I guess. But really, when you have six Super Bowls and your name's at the top of the list of all-time regular season win, I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like there's going to be some big uh, challenge to his title as the greatest of all time. I think he still is and still will be. But it's nice to have it in writing. It's nice to have it up there in the in the record books. And that would cinch that. And that's really what I thought the only thing he has left to coach for. What else does he have to coach for? He's an old guy. He's been doing it a long time. He's won a tremendous amount of games, a tremendous amount of Super Bowls. And that wins record was really the last, the final frontier for him. That's that's what it seemed like to me. And I thought that would be his main priority. Let's go somewhere where I can get this wins record and have my big, you know, party and then I'll just retire and that'll be that. And that wasn't his priority. Bill's priority was doing it his way. And if he's not getting his way, he's not really interested in compromising. And neither were these other teams. I'm not sure how much interest there was in Bill, period. But I can tell you, the interest in Bill is the grand poobah of the entire operation. Very small. Almost no interest. Even the one team that was interested eventually was like, we can't do this. And it's more than just Rich McKay. I think everybody's sort of hung up on this idea that, well, Rich McKay is the guy in Atlanta. And Arthur Blank knows Rich McKay, and he decided, I'm going to go with Rich McKay. It's more than just Rich McKay. He's part of it, sure. And the fact that he was on the competition committee and that Bill had some issues with the competition committee over the years, to put it mildly, I think. You know, that's all That's all playing into it, a small amount, I would say. But more so than Rich McKay is the... And I don't want to make it sound like Bill's a total dinosaur, but... You've you've read, I mean, you remember Callahan and uh, and Garigian's piece last year at the end of the year 
about how they don't really use any analytics. The Falcons and all the other teams in the NFL have entire analytics departments. So what, Belichick's going to come in here with his friends and his kids, gut the analytics department and just run everything his way and fire all these people that were all there and then tell them, no, 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 we're good, we'll do it this way. I'm not really interested in any of this stuff. And then in three years, you got to hire all these people back. And then they just resume like I wasn't even here. And by the way, that hasn't really shown to be a winning formula lately, the way Bill does things. And we'll get to his methods compared to the methods of some of the coaches that are playing today, for example. We'll get to all of that. But the priority was not getting that wins record. The priority was, I'll come and coach, but I'm doing it the way I've always done it. And if that's not going to happen, then you can find somebody else. And the Atlanta Falcons found somebody else. They found Raheem Morris, who I was not, I, I knew he was a candidate. I knew he had interviewed twice. Uh, Vrabel had interviewed twice. Slowick interviewed twice. A lot of people had interviewed twice with Atlanta. So it's not like, you know, it's not like the two interviews was some sort of lock that you were, you know, a finalist or anything. There's a bunch of guys who interviewed. They interviewed like 20 people. And several of them got second looks, including Parbaugh, who went to L.A., and, you know, other guys, too. Bill got the two interviews. And it wasn't just, you know, people around here thinking, oh, well, obviously they want Bill. Of course, they're going to get Bill. It was Jacina Anderson. It was, you know, many national writers, local writers. Yep, looks like uh, looks like this is on track. Looks like this is going to be the marriage here. Bill Belichick and the Falcons, and we all thought, huh. It's kind of weird, right? Bill Belichick coaching the Falcons, that's like Tom Brady quarterbacking the Buccaneers. Like, it just you can't you can't picture it until it actually happens. And we never had the picture. We never actually had to had to picture it because it never got far enough. And as far as we can tell, no offer was ever even made. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's been written about this. We all sort of know at this point what's uh, what what the holdups were. And I think that big picture, what this means for. Bill Belichick is kind of, you know, if you want to keep coaching, there may be a team out there that'll have you, but you just, you can only be the coach. Teams don't trust you to run their personnel departments, and why should they? Since Tom Brady left, Bill Belichick did win executive of the year, executive of the year in 2021, which, forgive me, but I remember Bill getting passed over for executive of the year many, many years, and people saying executive of the year is bullcrap. They just give it to whoever spends the most money in free agency, whoever changes their team the most, whoever went from, like, a bad team to a good team. That's who gets executive of the year. Belichick's never going to get it because his teams are good all the time. Why would he ever get it? That, that award's a joke. People, Listen, I'm not, I used to say that. I used to think it was a joke, and it kind of was. Belichick deserved to win executive of the year many, many other times. Executive. I don't know why I can't say that today. He deserved to win that many years that he didn't. And the teams that ended up winning it would be like, you know, the Jets or the Bears or some team that spent a ton of money in free agency and went from four wins to eight wins. Wow, executive of the year. Big deal. But that should have been a clue right there that this is where this is where things are going. Between the Mac Jones debacle, which by the way, executive of the year was involved what was involved in that? The drafting of Mac Jones and how good he looked in his first year. How the two years after that looked. Did the executive of the year ruin Mac Jones, or was that the head coach? Did the executive of the year 
surround Mac Jones with a real offense and invest in wide receivers and invest in offensive linemen. He invested in some tight ends and some wide receivers. I mean, listen, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne exist, or they existed in 2021. Uh, Aguilar's playing today, by the way, 3 o'clock, with the Baltimore Ravens. What a season he had. He had more touchdowns than any, I think, three Patriots put together. <sighs> but uh, if you if you sort of look at it, I, I understand. I understand why every team, every team in the league would balk at the idea of Belichick running the entire show. And I understand why owners didn't want that. Because when you're an NFL owner and you take on Bill Belichick, you don't have a buffer. He's not answering to anybody but you. And if Arthur Blank called Robert Kraft and said, hey, what's it like to have Bill Belichick here answering to nobody other than you? What do you think Kraft said? It just, if you had to guess, you know, if he made this call 10 years ago, I'm sure he would have said something different. But in 2024, the year of our Lord, what do you think he said? Good luck. Good luck, Artie. Didn't go great for us these last couple years. And by the way, the team's as bad as it's been. You know, since uh, Orthwine. So, you know, <laughs> you saw, you can read the paper, right? You see the standings? That's how it went. Four wins. I have a theory about this, about the way the Crafts handled this. That's not going to be popular. I think people are going to disagree with me on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think it would have been better for Bill Belichick if the Crafts fired him in the middle of the season. I think that would have been better for him. I don't know if it would have been better for the Patriots. I don't think it would have made a difference. But in terms of Bill Belichick and the space that he's in right now, the status that he has right now, they would have been doing him a favor if they fired him in season. And I know, hey, what? Fire Bill Belichick in season? You can't do that. That's not an elegant solution. Yeah, the solution was real elegant, by the way. I think that would have been a better outcome. I'll explain why uh, in just a minute. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. I see your Bill Belichick calls getting up on the phones there. If you would like to uh, chime in, we'll be talking about this more this week, especially, uh, you know, when the other two coaching vacancies get full. But I feel like, you know, there's some there's some opportunity here to, to dive into this a little bit more. But I do think the humane thing for the Crafts to have done was to fire Bill in season. I'll explain why right after I tell you what's trending. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Doncic, the step back three you bet. music you set my world on fire. and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening now, broadcasting from the pulpit of sports radio in Boston, it's Sunday Mass with Christian Arcan on WEEI. Arthur Blank wanted to hire Bill Belichick, the head coach. And it wasn't the money. I think he was willing to pay him. It was everything else that was going to have to happen and the amount of people around him that Bill's going to need here and the amount of people that might be outgoing because of it. And I think people in that building knew, like, hey, if Bill comes here, I'm not... I probably won't be here for very long, much longer. And so those people wind up getting in Blank's ear. And so I think it wasn't Bill the coach. I think Blank wanted to hire Bill the coach. I think more than anything else, it was 
the fact that maybe Bill wanted the thing set up a certain way and Blank wasn't comfortable with that, especially for, as Tom said, a guy who might only be around for a year. Boston Sports Original, WEEI. It's Reverend Arkan, Sunday Mass. Nice to have you with us here this morning. Getting angry texts already. I'll read them in a second. There's Burt Breer. By the way, Joseph, you a Grand Theft Auto fan? Yeah, this is GTA 6, right? The GTA 6 trailer. Yeah. So, okay, it takes place in uh, Miami or Liberty, not Liberty City, Vice City. And uh, this Tom Petty song, Love is a Long Road, is the song they used in the trailer. And now it's like his number one stream song ever, just from that one trailer. I mean, that drop was the most anticipated thing. Like that. Yeah, turn this up. Crank the song up. It's a good song. Now, this wasn't even a big hit on this album. I think this was Full Moon Fever, and there's much bigger songs on this one, but it was great in that uh, trailer, and the game looks incredible. Oh, yeah. It really looks unbelievable. Anyways, that was Burt Breer talking about what Arthur Blank wanted. He was interested in hiring Bill. He was interested in in bringing him in. And I think that, uh, you know, the idea of Bill Belichick was more appealing than the reality of it. The reality of it being you're getting a full transplant and you're getting it for two years, maybe three years tops. That's it. It's It's a rental. It's a temporary fix. And, oh, by the way, he's coming off a pretty bad year. Pretty bad situation in general. A young quarterback that got ruined. Some personnel decisions that no one agreed with. I mean, no one liked any. And I'm not just talking about the players that he picked. I'm talking about the coaches. The the retreads that got promoted and brought in and given titles where just he had no idea what he was thinking. What's going on? D- Matt Patricia? Joe Judge? And we'll get back to them in just a second, but I wanted to read this text. Uh, Texter in the 413. Arkand, I lost all respect for you. Calling Bill an old guy. Stop calling people old. Okay. First of all, he is old. And not just for the earth, but for the NFL. I mean, the average code median age in the NFL, I think, is like in the 50s. You know, like 51 or 52, something like that. I'll look it up. Oh, no, it's not even. It's 47.3. <laughs> That's the median age. Bill Belichick is 71 years old. It's okay that he's old. I'm not saying he's, like, bad that he's old. But when you're near the end of your career and you're looking for a new job and you're starting over somewhere, a rebuilding team is probably not going to be all that interested in the coach that old is going to be out of there in two years. It just doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense logically. Unless you think he's the only thing standing in between you and a Super Bowl. And there's some teams out there that I think could have been talked into that, like Dallas. Good teams. But the Falcons, you know, the Panthers, the Commanders, even the Seahawks. Seahawks just fired an old coach. They're not going to hire another one. But, you know, I mean, listen, you may not like that I called him old, but he is old, okay? And listen, I'm getting up there myself. I'm not I'm not saying that there's uh, something inherently wrong with being an old coach, but... That's what the NFL is saying. That's what the league is saying. Pete Carroll has not interviewed for another job, I don't believe. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, 
had one team interested in interviewing him. Not offering him a job, interviewing him. And they went another direction. I think Bill Belichick, had he been fired in season last year, would have had better job prospects this offseason. I really believe that. Why do you ask? I'll tell you why. Really, I mean, if we want to get if we want to keep it funky here. If they had fired him last offseason, then I think he would have done better than he's doing right now. In season, I brought this up and everybody from Curran and Fourier and Gresham, everybody all said, no, 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 you can't fire him in season. That's just, that's not going to work. Kraft's not going to do it. It's not an elegant solution. There's no way he's just, he's he's been too important to the team. He can't fire him in season. And I disagreed with that, but they ended up being right. You know, they didn't fire him in season. But for his sake, they should have. That would have been the humane thing to do. Number one, it would have given you the opportunity to see what kind of head coach Gerard Mayo is. You would see him in the interim. You'd see how the players react to him. You could see how he runs a team, how he runs an offense, how he runs all that stuff. And then you could evaluate that before you commit to him long term. So it would have worked there too. And that has nothing to do with Bill, but that's just something the Crafts should have done for themselves and for Mayo and for everybody else. For Bill, if you'd fired him after the Colts game, or after the Cowboys game, or after the Saints game, or one of those awful losses that they had, and there were plenty. You would have spared him the rest of the season. You would have spared watching him waddle off the field in the snow against the Jets. You would have spared him that 6 nothing Chargers game. You would have spared him all these things. All these things that aren't going to taint his legacy, per se. People aren't going to look back and say, oh, yeah, Bill Belichick, I remember that Jets game. Like, no one's going to, no one's really going to do that. There's way too many amazing memories of him and, and the teams and the dynasty and all that. So, I mean, that's not, that's not something I'm legitimately concerned about. I don't think he is either. I don't think anybody is. But you would have, at the very least, for these other teams out there that are considering bringing in Bill Belichick, a full season that looked like that, Really, really hurt him. It really, really hurt him. Not his legacy, but his job prospects. And I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, how could there be? Um, and I know, coaches getting fired in season is generally not something that you, as a head coach, that you ever want to see. At least let me ride out to the end of the year. You know, give give me to the end of the season at least. Don't don't make me don't put an interim coach. Have me twisting out there in the wind. Bill would have been better off twisting in the wind. He would have been better off twisting in the wind from November on and then waiting for these other teams to fire who they're going to fire and, you know, giving him just a little bit more distance from this awful thing. There's people out there who say, you know what, next year Bill's going to get a job offer. And maybe he will because he'll be a year removed from this awful season. And people have short memories. And the entire scope of Bill and all the championships and everything will come into play. There's going to be stuff that comes out about him. Uh, you know, there's going to be documentaries and, uh, you know, NFL Network specials and stuff like that. There's going to be all these things. And people are going to remember the good times with Bill. And they're going to look at their team and they're going to say, you know what, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth a shot. You know, maybe we can stomach this for a year or two and then we'll, we'll go our separate ways. Maybe this is the one thing holding us back. But no one's thinking that right now. No one's thinking that right now because the season was just so bad. And the other factors are always going to be there. I mean, his age didn't change. And the, 
you know, status and needs of these various teams that are out there trying to rebuild haven't changed either. And that's not going to make a difference with Bill. You know, if he's if he's fired in season or not, that's not going to make a difference to those teams. But to some of the other ones, the Falcons and the Seahawks and, you know, the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Titans and these other teams of the world, uh, Buffalo Bills, if they're not happy with their coach. And this is all stuff for next year, I guess, because none of those teams fired their coaches. But, you know, that that's something I think that could have maybe helped them a little bit. It could have maybe helped him in the job hunt a little bit. It wouldn't have helped his reputation. I'm sure it would have been a blow to the ego to get fired in season. But the worst thing that could have happened to Bill was to play that season out. And, you know, from that opening kick against Philly to that uh, Brees Hall touchdown to the Jets in the snow, uh, this season was a awful slog. I mean, it really was. It was. It was one of the least enjoyable Patriots seasons there's been in the last two decades, if not the worst. And I go back further than that. You know, I remember 1990. I remember Rod Rust. I remember some of these other uh, really bad seasons. May not have been as bad as Rod Rust, but it was close. I remember Hugh Millen. You know, I remember I remember the way it looked. And it was a lot more like that than it was anything we saw in the dynasty, even the down years. You know, even 2002, even 2008. You know, those years were palatable. You didn't love what happened, but you could deal with it. You could stomach it. This was awful, and I'm sorry. The stink of that is just a—it's just a little too ripe. <laughs> it's a little too ripe for anybody to want to jump in feet first into the Bill Belichick business right now. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. Let's go to the phones. A lot of you waiting patiently. Jonathan is in Randolph. He leads us off. Go ahead, Jonathan. Uh, hi, Christian. Uh, uh, first things first. It's always a good thing to yell at Jones. <laughs> and um, second. Um, there is something so thematically appropriate with this being Bill Belichick's fate because of the information now that he's really not getting a job because he still wants full megalomaniacal control of everything. Well, that's what happened with why he ultimately wanted to move on from Brady. He wanted it his way. Yep. He wanted to be the center of attention, his total control. And that ended up disastrous. So for him to just apparently not learn lessons from that and to still insist on that, I think it's his own fault that he doesn't have a job now. And I think, kind of appropriate and a fitting end, honestly, as sad as that might be. Yeah, and Jonathan, listen, I think it's over. I don't think there's going to be a job for him next year. There were, what, eight openings this year, right, Joseph? There's eight of eight vacancies, I believe? Something like that. Eight or nine? I think it was eight. And usually there's like six. So let's just play that out. There was eight this year. There's usually six. So by law of averages next year, what, there'll be like four maybe? Four or five? Or who knows? Maybe there'll be like 12 or 13. I have no idea, but you don't necessarily know. You know what the average is. The average is six, and you just got eight. So let's say there's four openings next year. You th- you, you sure Bill's going to get one? There was eight this year, and he didn't get an interview. I mean, well, he did. He got one interview. Well, like, he didn't get an offer. Let's say there's half that next year. Let's say there's uh, five, six. I don't. Th- how can you say it's a guarantee? He's going to be a year older. He will be removed from the stench of this past season. So, I mean, that that may help him. And I think there may be some interest. But he is going to have to reevaluate his demands. Because this, and not just, you know, him having full control, but his style, his sort of techniques, all of that stuff, not attractive to NFL teams right now. And I heard a lot of this this week as well. 
oh, all these owners, they just want collaborative coaches because of these snowflake players, and oh, they're all millennials and Gen Z, and they need to be, they need to know what's going on, and they need to know why they're blocking in the in the A gap, and they need to know, blah, 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 blah. you know, get off my lawn stuff mostly. And listen, I'm 42. I'm telling people to get off my lawn all the time, but <laughs> that thing, come on. Look who the four coaches that are left in the playoffs are right now. Just look at them. Do they collaborate with their players? You tell me. John Harbaugh, every time they win a game, he goes into the locker room, does a Cupid shuffle with the team. <laughs> he's in there. He's in there break dancing. Okay, so like, I, I think that the team's okay with it. I think the Ravens are all okay with that. Andy Reid is sixty whatever years old, doing commercials with Jake from State Farm, drawing mustaches on people on the plane. Like he's not some hard ass. He's not some guy who's, ah, it's my way or the highway. I'm going to cut you from the team. It's not, that's not how he runs the team. He's collaborative. Dan Campbell's the biggest hardo I've ever seen. He loves his players. His players love him. He talks about biting kneecaps and biting people's, you know, ankles and stuff like that. But he's, he, players love him. Very collaborative. Kyle Shanahan, young coach. I don't know as much about him. He doesn't, he's not as big of a personality as those other guys will say that. But he's a younger coach. He relates to his players and the offense. They, they love him on offense. He's an offensive mind. That works in the NFL in 2024. You know what doesn't work? Bill's way. Without Tom Brady, Bill's way is kind of kind of nothing. And it's not just Bill. Look at his entire coaching tree. You know what doesn't work? <laughs> Bill's way of doing things without Tom Brady. And if you don't believe me, ask Josh McDaniels, ask Matt Patricia, ask Joe Judge, ask Bill O'Brien, ask Eric Mangini. Should I keep going? I mean, ask Romeo Cornell. Like, ask any of them. It doesn't work. It worked great with Brady. But you know what? Brady also worked pretty well with uh, Bruce Arians, who had a different style. Very different style from Bill Belichick. All that being said, if Bill Belichick does want to hang it up, he should. He really, like, this this wins record, it may be important to him. I don't care about it. I don't think people in New England care about it. And I don't really think anybody in the larger picture cares that much about it either it's a it's a record that you get when you coach forever and bill coached forever he didn't quite get to the end he was very close 15 wins away or whatever it is but he didn't quite get there but you know what he did do he won six super bowls and he had a dynasty going for 20 years in an era where that is unheard of i mean really unheard of to be that successful every single year for 23 years i mean that's just that's never going to happen again I don't think the Chiefs are going to come close. I don't know how long Mahomes is going to play. Maybe if Mahomes plays until he's 46 or whatever and the Andy Reid decides not to push him out. Oh, by the way, I keep seeing this. Oh, yeah, wait. Andy Reid's going to retire and Bill's going to go to Kansas City. Yeah? Really? Okay. Want to bet? I just, I don't know. I think that people are having a hard time letting go. Not just of Bill being the coach, but like is Bill the story? Bill the topic? It's a hard thing to let go of. It's been a huge topic in this city for two decades. 
careers are built off the you know back of talking about Bill Belichick and how it all worked. I, I'm one of them. I made my bones during Deflategate, uh, and Bill was right in the middle of that. The Patriots during the Belichick Brady era were some of the best TV uh, around. I mean, really, it was. There was always something going on. There was always something to talk about. And I agree that it's going to be tough to see Bill fade away and not have that be a a thing anymore, not have that sort of specter looming over the team all the time. And it's the NFL, so there's always, like, drama and intrigue anyway on all these teams. I mean, that's the way it is. And it's over, and it's hard to accept. (laughs) Listen, it's a a hard thing to accept. Your mortality comes into play after a 23-year-long thing ends like this. It absolutely does. You know, reporters reporters were at that uh, Belichick press conference fighting back tears. And it wasn't because they loved Bill or thought that Bill was some great guy or anything, and they were really going to miss him, but because they remembered, hey, you know, I started on the beat when I was 28, and <laughs> now I'm 52, and here I am at Bill Belichick's goodbye thing. And it's, you know, it's just, that's it's, a, it's an odd thing. But I think it's over. I think it's over. You look at these coaches who are coaching in conference weekend now, you look at their methods, you look at the way they do things, it's not like Bill. Bill's methods are old. You know, they're just considered old and kind of dated. And they don't really work in 2024. And this isn't me saying this, this is the NFL. This is what the NFL said. This is the statement that they made. There were plenty of job openings. And they all passed. So you can get mad at me for calling Bill old if you want to. I'm not the one making the calls. All right, I'm not the one. I'm not the one drawing up the contracts. I'm not the one picking Matt Canales to be my head coach. You know, like that's that wasn't me, guys. That was somebody else. So you know, be mad at me if you want. It's not. It's not my call. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Ronnie's in Bill Ricca. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, hey, Christian. how you doing? I'm old. <laughs> Good for you, Ronnie. Yeah, no, and I, I, I retired. It's like I, I didn't want to play the game anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I hear like, you. It's like it's, you get old. I'm only 63, but it's like I can retire now or play the game. You know what I did? I retired. You retired. Like, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm only 63, but it's like, I, like Bill Belichick's got to retire. Like. The game's over. I, I love what you say. It's like, you know, yeah, we get old, right? It's just, it's just, that's life. That's life, Ronnie. Amen, brother. I think if Bill wanted to, if he wanted to concede some of the power, I don't know if he would have got the Falcons job, but I think he would have. Like, if he came to Arthur Blank and said, all right, listen, you know, I know you're thinking about hiring Raheem Morris. But I'll j- like I'll I'll take the job under the exact same specifications that Morris is taking it under. I don't have to be in charge of everything. You don't have to fire your analytics department. You don't have to fire all these people. You don't have to fire Rich McKay. I'll answer to everyone. I'll just coach the team. That's it. I think he would have got the job. I think he would have. But even then, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Arthur Blank is an old guy as well. Sorry sorry, if people don't like to hear that either, but he is, okay? He's an old-timer. And he was interested. He was interested in Bill. 
brought him in for two interviews, was interested in having him coach the team. And if Bill said, you know what, I'll come and I'll coach the team and you can, you know, you run everything else, I think he would have gotten the job. I think so. It just seemed like there was way too much momentum going there for that to suddenly stop on a dime and say, oh, no, actually we're going to go with Raheem Morris. I think that that would have been, that would have been the, the thing that sort of pushed them over the line. But that wasn't his priority. His priority is not the wins record. His priority was his terms. And here we are. And again, Bill Belichick has every right to stand his ground. He has every right to say, no, nope, I'm doing it this way or I'm not doing it at all. Because if he walks away, he still walks away the best. He still walks away as the greatest. And he knows that. But he didn't think he would have to. He didn't think he would have to walk away. You know, there's there's bluffing and then there's putting it all on the line. <laughs> you know, we've all done it at one point or another. You know, we've put it all out there without a safety net. Like, he didn't have a safety school. He didn't have, he didn't have some backup plan. It was Atlanta or it was nothing, and he knew Atlanta was the only one that was interested in sort of giving him the uh, giving him the control that he wanted. And here we are. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. We'll continue with your Bill Belichick phone calls. Coming up next, though, the Celtics last night, that was a disgrace. Uh, the L.A. Clippers came to TD Garden and absolutely mopped the floor with your Boston Celtics. We'll get into that next. This is Sunday Mass with Christian Arcand on WEEI. Jumps and what the Clippers can do and what the Celtics can do. Blowout in downtown Los Angeles in favor of Boston. The Clippers return the favor. Brandon Boston. They're not searching for anything. They know who they are. I think the rest of the league does as well. The buzzer sounds. The Clippers are winners. 115 to 96. A game in which they led by 36. Yeah, it wasn't even that close. Apologies if you went to that game last night. I thought that was going to be a great game. I thought it was going to be like the Nuggets last weekend. That was a good game. Celtics lost, but it was a good game. That was not a good game last night. <laughs> Ugh. Celtics getting pasted by the Clippers who have been playing very, very well lately. Kawhi Leonard is on a tear. James Harden wasn't good last night. Couldn't make a shot, but uh, was uh, distributing the ball, getting rebounds. Celtics got dominated on the boards, um, especially in the first couple quarters. The 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 margin, I think, uh, decreased in the fourth a little bit, but uh, it was it was ugly. That was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, Jason Tatum showed up. Kinda. 21 points on 18 shots is, I mean, he was a minus 32 in the game. Not great, but at least he showed up a little bit. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown last night was, that was as bad as I've seen him this year. I was wondering, there was a couple of points last night where I was wondering if it was actually the Jalen Brown lookalike guy out there on the court. Do you know what I'm talking about, Joseph? Have you seen this guy? Yeah, the guy who like bought the jersey and he's walking around TD Garden and everyone thought he was Jalen Brown. Well, I don't know if everyone thought that, but I was at the I was at the Nuggets game last weekend. And on the Jumbotron, they showed this guy who had his hair done up like Jalen Brown and he was wearing like a full uniform with the shoes and the in the compression sock and the sleeves and all that stuff. And he was, I, Jalen Brown, I think, saw him, and they were, like, waving at each other or whatever. And this guy has, like, a TikTok, and his TikTok, his whole thing is that he looks like, or he thinks he looks like Jalen Brown. Now, he doesn't really look like Jalen Brown in the face, but he's tall and he's, you know, he's wearing the uniform and he's got the hair, and I guess 
I guess that's just what he, he feels like doing. And I, here's what I think. I think he probably goes out, and I don't know if he's wearing the full uniform when he goes out like that, but he probably goes out and tells girls, yeah, I play for the Celtics. I'm Jalen Brown. <laughs> that's what I would do. If I bore a passing resemblance to any pro athlete, you kidding me? I'd try to do that all the time if I was in my 20s living in the city. Go out in full uniform so people know exactly who you are. Exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, I don't, unfortunately I don't resemble any of the, uh, any of the local athletes. I don't think I ever did. The only athlete I ever kind of looked like, you might remember this guy, Casey Fossum. He pitched for the Red Sox back in, uh, 2003. And I didn't look like him, look like him, but I had the same dimensions because he was like six foot tall, 140 pounds. <laughs> like he was, he was this little twig, basically this little twiggly McGee. And that's sort of what I looked like. So I could, I could, you know, say, yeah, I'm Casey Fossum, but I never did. I never tried that. Not quite the, uh. <laughs> You know, not quite the line that you're looking for when you're uh, when you're out trying to meet women. Anyway, the uh, Jalen Brown lookalike had a terrible game. Uh, eight points on three of 13 shooting. Uh, just uh, just dreadful. And I'll tell you why. I do not like the way the Celtics look lately. I do not like the way they look against good teams. It's not that they look bad, period. I mean, they killed the Heat the other night. Uh, and the Heat are really floundering right now. So it was nice to see them sort of kick that team while they're down. I hate the Heat. Uh, they had a good win over the Mavs, who are fine. And they kick the Rockets' ass a couple of times. The Rockets stink. Nuggets beat them. The Clippers smoked them. The Bucks smoked them. And the Pacers beat them. Now, there were wins there over the Timberwolves. They had a nice win over Minnesota, who's been great this year. Uh, they beat San Antonio. They beat Toronto. They did have a win over the Pacers right before they lost to them, but they lost to the Thunder. It's listen. I'm nitpicking here because they're the best team in the league. Okay, I think we all agree they're the they're the top of the league in the regular season. I remember when this team used to get really charged up for these games against the high profile opponents. I remember when that was like a por- an important thing that they circled on the calendar and said, "All right, we got the Clippers. They're really hot. We're going to take it to them. We're going to give them their best game." And it seems like, and that Nuggets game was a good game, by the way. It's not like they half-assed it, and uh, and it was a good back-and-forth game, and the Nuggets just got them at the end. But the Clippers smoked them last night. The Bucks smoked them last what was it, last month or a couple weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, the Thunder it was a bad loss, and they should beat the Pacers. Now you can't win every game. Fine, I don't expect them to. But I don't love when they lose to the good teams. When they go out and losing to them is one thing. I didn't mind that they lost to the Nuggets. I mind when they get pantsed like that. I mind when the Clippers come in, a veteran team, with, you know, one guy who's won it all, one guy who's actually been there in Kawhi Leonard and two guys who haven't yet in George and Harden. But, you know, you, you get a team like that in there. Those are the kind of teams that make me nervous with the Celtics. Veterans. Guys that these guys have looked up to when they were younger. I feel like there's still a little element of that, you know, like there was with Kyrie and Durant on the on the Nets, you know. It just sort of seems like that kind of thing kind of lingers a little bit. Because Leonard was out there doing whatever he wanted to last night. He was hitting threes in Tatum's face. He's dunking on Luke Cornett. He was, he was all over the place. And what are you going to do about that? Um, Celtics have the Pelicans tomorrow. And we're coming up close to the All Star break, so I mean, you know, it's it's uh, the 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 whole thing is probably going to turn on its head at some point. And when I say turn on its head, I mean we'll see them either start you know regrouping and beating these good teams, 
or things might take a turn for the worse. And listen, I don't know how long Chris Stapps Porzingis is going to be out for, but uh, you could tell they missed him last night, and hopefully that's not a serious injury. And I don't think it is. I think he just rolled his ankle. Just a sprain. That's what they're saying. With Porzingis, it's like the torn meniscus and the torn ACL and the torn MCL and that sort of stuff that I worry about with him, which is, by the way, injuries that he has had and has kept him out for entire seasons. So I can live with a rolled ankle. I can live with him missing a couple of handful of games here and there. Uh, I hope it doesn't take a toll and build up over the course of the season. Obviously, no one wants that. Um, but I'm not one of these people that thinks, oh, yeah, Celtics can just roll without Porzingis. I don't think so. There's a reason why they traded for him. You know, the reason why they brought him in, the reason why they made such a push for him and why they gave up such an important piece of their core and their identity is because they realized we need this third person. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are great players, but there needs to be a third. There needs to be a third option. And that's what he is, and he's been great this year. Um, hopefully, he's not, you know, too banged up. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. There's your Celtics Minute. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, it's conference championship weekend. We'll preview some of the games. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Do Pats fans even care about this weekend? Do you care about the Chiefs and the Ravens? Do you care about the Lions and the 49ers? If so, why? And uh, we'll get to your Bill Belichick phone calls. Mike Cadlick will join the show at 1030. That's all coming up right after this. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. <laughs> 